welcome back to the Vespers Project. I am so excited to have you as a part of this community. It's pretty amazing to think about how this is already our fourth episode. And as always, I want to send out a huge thank you to all of our listeners, but also especially to the Ark of E for hosting the podcast and making this a reality. I also want to thank everyone who's helped out with the project and helped it to become a success so far. You know who you are. Thank you kindly for being a part of this community. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to rate and review us on iTunes or your preferred streaming platform, please take the time to support the project that way. I'd really appreciate it, and I know that the viewers who want this to continue to succeed would also appreciate it, because that's one of the things that drives us and helps us, helps us work. Another thing I want to mention, for those of you who are avid podcast listeners, is that I am actually the co-host of another podcast, and that podcast is coming out really soon. It's with the Archivia as well, and that podcast is called Bending Not Breaking, where Alex Sunshine Mayfield and I will take a deep dive into the TV series Avatar The Last Airbender. And on the podcast, what we'll do is we'll watch each episode through a different lens, like trust or anger, etc., kind of like this show, actually, and what we do is we analyze the characters and their actions and the whole story through that lens. We have a ton of fun, and if you like this show, Bending Not Breaking may also interest you as well, especially if you like deep conversation and learning a, through a really different means than we normally do. I One, Avatar The Last Airbender is potentially one of the greatest kids shows of all time, if not one of the greatest shows. Just saying. But also, it's just a really cool opportunity to kind of catch up. So, just wanted to give that a shout out. And if you're interested in finding another podcast, that might be one that you choose. So, FYI. Uh, another thing that I want to talk about is uh, more directly related to our podcast today. Uh, one of our early advocates for the show, Mike D'Avria, affectionately known as Crab Dip, provided me with a microphone to record these interviews. And I've been grateful for it. I've used it so many times. Alas, with interviews that are not local, this microphone doesn't work. So this episode involves one of those interviews. And today's Vespers is from Christian Von Leer, who is from Georgia. And that would have been a really long drive. So what we tried to do is record our interview over the phone. And I just want to apologize for the audio quality. It's not great. And I want to invite you to listen anyway, because the content is really awesome. Like, Christian has blown me away. He's incredibly wise. And you should probably count the number of times that I say wow in the interview, because it's quite a few. And I probably edited out a few as well. Um, but he really just took it away and gave me a whole nother perspective on his word, which is caring. And so... I can't wait for you to hear his wisdom. And so with that in mind, I want to invite you to listen to Christian. He's compiled a Vespers through a lens of caring. And as Margaret Mead says, never believe that few caring people cannot change the world. For indeed, that's all that ever have. Here's his Vespers. Thanks for listening.
wonder why I get paranoid when I'm high I wonder why I say yes to everyone in my life I wonder why I can't run that fast in my dreams I wonder why I feel short when I know my money's tall I wonder why I miss everyone and I still don't call I wonder why I can't run that fast in my dreams Although I guess I'll find him tomorrow I guess I wouldn't need faith I guess if I never fell I guess I wouldn't need grace I guess if I knew his plans I guess he wouldn't be gone, gone, gone So maybe I don't know Maybe I don't know Maybe I don't know Maybe I don't know I wonder why I feel emptiness and I sing these blues I wonder why I feel hopelessness when I watch the news I wonder why I can't find my voice in my dreams I wonder why they say hate your brother and hide your gold I wonder why we all fear the things that we might not know I wonder why I can't find my voice in my dreams If I knew tomorrow, I guess I wouldn't need faith. I guess if I never fell, I guess I wouldn't need grace. I guess if I knew his plans, I guess he wouldn't be gone, gone, gone. So maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I want you to think of someone you care about, someone for your club, or back home, or even someone you just met on the mountain. Think about how their face brightens up when they laugh. Think about their bad jokes and their crazy dance moves. 
how do you show you care for them? With a hug? Or a gift? How about writing them poetry? Or driving around blaring bohemian rhapsody? There is no right or wrong way to express how much you care for someone. There are days where you won't be able to think of how to show how much they mean to you. But you just feel it. It's like a little fire glowing in your heart. My best friends are here on this mountain right now. And I hope they know how much they mean to me. How they're able to carry me through all of the hard moments in my life. I hope they know how much I owe them. I can't deny that little flame that's burning in my chest. How do you show how much you care for people? When was the last time you just said, I appreciate you? It's been a while for me, but I think we should all find a way to express it. How though? I truly don't know. But it's okay to rely on the people around you. Like four, three, two, and you'll be there. 
7th, 2017. I learned that life gets tough regardless of who you are. My friends and I celebrated an angel named Ian that day. I questioned everything and lost myself. What does it matter if you're a good or bad person? Why do people go out of the way to love others? I walked around for hours, wondering how I was going to get over this pain. But then it hit me, quite literally. In Hawaii, there's this rock formation that natives have made a prayer circle. They tell you to walk this circle and leave something important in the middle as a gift. Ever since Ian's funeral, I carried a quarter with me at all times. I couldn't tell you why, but while I was walking around the circle, I couldn't get his name out of my head. Once I got to the middle of the circle, I felt whole. I knew something fantastic had happened once I put that quarter in the middle. Then I was pooped on by a bird. I looked up angrily at that bird, but in that instant, looking at the sun and the clouds, it felt like Ian was there telling me to get up and keep moving. It hit me. You don't stop caring for people once they die. They will always be with you. With you when you smile and cry and laugh. They will care for you and hold you up when you don't have the strength. All of us have angels.
about yourself. I'd love to hear where you are in school. Tell me about your history with Leaders Club and Blue Ridge. And what are some of the things that you love and care about? Wow. Okay. Um, so my name's Christian Van Weer. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, but right now I'm studying economics and mathematics at Boston University. I've been a part of Leaders for five years now. This is my fifth year. I started as a sophomore in high school because my advisor uh, bumped into me at Farm Breakers, the biggest place in Atlanta. He was like, you should come to our first meeting. I said, sure, I have no other plan. And since that day, I leaders my home. One of the best decisions and one of the most happenstance occurrences, I was just bumping into him and he decided to share leaders with me. That's so cool. This past year was my fourth year on the mountain, but it was also my HL year, so I've been taking the fourth year classes. But I would say that it was it was almost as good as my first year for different reasons. Uh, my first year, you know, no one really has any expectations. You hear all the older leaders talk about, like, oh, this magical place and my best friends are here. And me as a sophomore going to my junior year, I was like, there's no possible way that you had best friends who live in North Carolina, Virginia, and Florida. But when I got there, I, it all clicked. And as soon as we got off the bus, all my older year friends ran off into different ways looking for their friends. I got off the bus, and I was just, I was very confused. And then someone who I cannot remember to save my life came up to me and hugged me. And they said, welcome home. It's like, wow, that is really weird. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. But now I get it. I completely understand. That's awesome. What a cool story. Yeah. Thinking about, so everybody who is listening to this uh, knows that you got to write a Vespers through the lens of caring. And thinking about what caring means to you, I'm just curious broad strokes, what does caring mean to you, and what does that look like? That's a great question, and that was actually a question that pushed me towards how to write my best day, uh, because I have such a hard time defining what caring is. I think that's the beauty of the word, that there's no right or wrong way to care. There's no perfect way to do it. It's just There's something that happens when you're doing something for someone else that just clicks, you know? Like, wow, I care for this person. I, I'm finding ways to express that for them. Um, so typically the way I think of caring is just I 
am 100% sure that if I did not know you, my yeah, life would not be the same. And for that, I care for you. Oh, wow. That's big. Yeah. I think that that completely changes how I am thinking about some of the people in my life. Like, what would happen if you were not in it? And that means that feeling is what caring feels like. Huh. That's really cool. Exactly. I mean, it, it isn't just for people, but like you have this positive emotion to there's some people who change you for the better and for the worse, but I cannot be the person I am today without those instances. So regardless of, like, if I don't like them or not, I still care for them, even if they're in my life or not. So that really speaks to the uh, failure that is a positive thing if you look at it in retrospect. Uh, it, it still teaches you something regardless of whether – uh, you were happy about it in the moment. It's something that you has affected you and theoretically will have given you a gift of some kind, even if that's the gift of experience. Um, that's really interesting. That's a really cool way to think about that. So how did that inform how you wanted to write your best verse? Um, so since I couldn't come up with the definition then, and I still struggle to do it now, um, I had to find specific moments in my life where I could openly talk about, and then I knew that I felt that emotion, that I cared for someone. So instead of, I didn't want to make my best friend too broad, because I felt like I'd listened to a couple prior, like this, this is a good thought, and I understand where that comes from, but it's still not personal. I just want to get up and tell people my story. I knew that if I could get at least one person to say, yeah, that touched me, then I did what yeah. I mean, for sure, when I think about the Vespers that I've heard over the course of a few years now, a lot of them tend to be uh, broad and vague and this big idea. And the ones that always hit home for me, the ones that always drive towards something that really moves something in me are the ones where I hear a personal story. And I think that you hit the nail on the head with this one with uh, when it comes to personal, <laughs> making sure that you have a personal story. So... Um, I'm interested to see what other people say about that as well. Essentially, that's why I wanted caring, because out of all the investors I had heard, caring had always been this personal story. So I, I did really have to redefine the wheel that I, when I went to the honor leader retreat, I knew that I wanted to walk off that mountain with the word caring, you know, with that investor. Awesome. So a lot of Vespers open up with words, and yours opens up with a song. Can you just kind of help me and our audience know and understand why you went that route and why you chose that original song? Yeah. Um, so the word I chose was Maybe I Don't Know by John Bellion. Um, and I think the reason that I chose that song to be the first thing that everyone heard is that I – felt like the lyrics were so powerful and so moving on its own that I didn't need to prime anyone to what I was about to say. That there was no better way for me to start off how I wanted to go through my vesper. Um, specifically, it's the chorus um, where John says, maybe I don't know, but maybe that's okay. Where essentially, the overarching theme of my vesper with caring is that I don't know how to the right way or the wrong way to care, but that's okay as long as you find a way to care. Um, so 
even to this day when I hear that song, I, I get a little emotional because it's just, it's so easy to get very caught up in your own headspace of how to do everything correctly. And then that song is just, it's a tether to the earth, but regardless of what you do, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, and so th- this song also speaks to me. It has a very uh, strong element of faith for me. And the reason I say that is um, not even taking the full lyrics into account, but there's a lot of statements that are expressing doubt. And so there's a lot of, like, the beginning is I wonder, and then it goes into I guess, and then it starts saying maybe. And uh, to me, what I hear is I hear doubt. And there's a lot of, I hear comfort in that doubt. And that to me is um, the belief that it will, exactly what you're saying, the belief that it will be okay, uh, even if you're not sure. And being comfortable with that doubt is really hard. And I find that a lot of people who are, the people who I look up to the most when it comes to faith-based people I find that they are the ones who are able to question their faith and believe. And that really spoke to me in a way that I wasn't expecting when it comes to a caring Vespers. And I thought that was really cool. Can you speak to that a little bit? Does that ring a bell for you too? It does. Um, I felt like the song, it has, and this is also one of the reasons why I chose it to be first, is that there are just so many different ways to listen to it. There's no pure definition that John wrote for us to interpret as, nor is there a reason why I wanted that song to be, or nor is there like a specific reason why I wanted that song to be the first song, because it's just so universal that if you listen to the lyrics and just sit there and ponder it, that you will find a way for it to correlate back to you. Uh, yeah. So I think that one of the big things for me is that I sat on a lot of those thoughts of like that doubting and that guessing and the the indecisiveness of am I doing this right? Am I am I living my life right? And then that song is just it brings you back because it regardless of how you think or how you spin it, life continues to go on. So if you if you're able to acknowledge that you'll make mistakes but life will continue to go, then everything will be okay. Yeah, that's just such a powerful statement. That's really awesome. Cool. So after this song, it goes into uh, your first time speaking. And the first thing you hear are these birds in the background. And it, it just felt uh, very natural. <laughs> and uh, was, that an, was that an intentional move on you, or was that just lucky happenstance? A little bit of both. Um, when I recorded my vector, I tried to mimic a place where I felt like I was sitting on the mountain again. So I ended up going to a local park, and I was just looking out at the sunset and recording it, and those birds have to fly by. And it just, like, I had the opportunity to re-record it in my own home, but I, I didn't think that taking those ambient noises out would make it any better. And actually, I think it would have made it worse that, Without including that natural feeling of me just talking to people, it would have felt too formal. Yeah, I think in my mind, it's I, I felt like you recorded it. Like, honestly, I thought you recorded it on the mountain. I thought you were uh, to the right of Eureka Hall, 
uh, if I were on if I were on the porch, I was on to the and looking out. I thought you were to the right of the Eureka Hall in that little uh, garden area. <laughs> That's where I pictured you recording this, um, which is it was really like it was, I thought that was really cool. Uh, and I, like most people are really trying to produce their vespers in a way that you're taking out all those noises and um, make it so that you're just getting that pure voice. Uh, and so that, I think that really was a powerful move on your part. So I thought that was really awesome. Appreciate it. Sure. Thinking about the content of what you said, now that we've gotten past the ambiance, <laughs> uh, you mentioned um, that it feels like a fire in your in your heart when you know that you're caring. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm curious about how do you – Personally, how do you share your caring? How do you show what it means to care for other people personally? I would say, honestly, that I'm a bit confrontational of my love. That I like to go up to people and say, like, hey, I appreciate you. What you do is outstanding. And I like, I don't think I'd be the person I am today without you. Um, but I realize sometimes that's a bit much for people. Um, so I realize one of the easiest ways to show that you're caring for someone, especially like now when everyone or all my friends are spread out around the country in different colleges, all it is is a quick text that says, hey, I miss you, or hey, I was thinking about you today, or did you see this video? I think you'd like it. And just in those moments, it's like the world's so much smaller and they're here in the room with you. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the five love languages? I have. So it sounds like to me that you are a big proponent of words of affirmation. Absolutely. I think words of affirmation, receiving words of affirmation is like my third, and giving words of affirmation was my second, but I'm more of like a quality time person. There's nothing I enjoy more than seeing with people, whether that be like watching TV or going on walks. I enjoy like that actual human interaction. Yeah, it's just so interesting because every every example that you provided was some sort of affirmation uh, for people, and I love that uh, phrase. I'm confrontational with my love. I think that's such a cool phrase. I might adopt that. That's really awesome. And I, I think that one of the things that I love about the five love languages, and uh, for people listening, the five are you can give and receive gifts as a love language. It's uh, you can give words of affirmation and receive words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and physical touch. And so one of the things that I usually describe when we do this with uh, a group, when I'm using this as a team-building activity, is that a lot of these times these things overlap. And so for me, uh, what I'm hearing from you is when you are investing time into people, a lot of the ways that you invest time into people is by giving them your words. And that takes time. It takes time to take time out of your day to text people, to think of them, and to spend time with that person on your thoughts. And to express it is the next step through that words of affirmation. So I love that. Um, I love that how that connection just that, – that was the connection I made in my head. It may not vibe with you, but um, – Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense in that. It's just really cool to think about. 
how people give and receive love, especially under the context of caring in your Vespers, and I think that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Question, how do you know when others receive the caring that you are giving? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I think that's that's the scary part about caring for other people, because you never really know if and when it hits. Um, one of my biggest fears, actually, about giving this Vesper was that I'd be talking to myself in front of a group of a thousand people and that I wouldn't know if it hit or not, if <laughs> I was able yeah. to express my emotions. Um, so I, I don't know. Truly, like, I wish there was a little thermometer above our heads where you'd say, like, this person appreciated what you said. Because sometimes... Like, it takes a couple minutes or hours or even days for it to hit. Um, I know, especially with me, that I think back to some of these interactions I had prior, and I'm like, wow, they really did care, and I, I'm so appreciative of that. Wow, that's such a cool statement to think about, like, that something you say or do or anything, really, that you are trying to show that you care might take days for someone to really for that to sink in. That's a powerful statement. And it's also, I think, interesting because you might do something and they might write it off in the moment, but some event might happen later that will cause them to feel grateful for that one moment right. after they realize how special it was. Yeah, I mean, I think about that person who hugged me right off of, right as I got off the bus and said, welcome home. And in the moment, it meant nothing to me. But now, whenever I think of Blue Ridge, especially when I think of what I wanted to do as an honor leader, was creating that bridge for those first years coming to the mountain so that they could recognize what my home is and that they could become a part of it. Like, I'm so appreciative of that person. Yeah, that's a really good example. That's a great example, actually. Okay, I, I think that... I am so interested in that thermometer over people's heads as well because one of the things that I I think that causes a lot of stress in people, frankly, is uh, I think there's a lot of stress that comes in relationships, whether they be platonic or romantic, around whether someone is able to receive your love. And one Mm -hmm. of my most favorite quotes, and I, I don't know who it is off the top of my head, but I might be able to link it in the show notes is if I could give you one gift, I would want to give you the gift of you seeing yourself the way that I see you. Wow. Right? And how powerful is that? Because I often feel that I am feeling love on such a level that is almost to bursting. And I feel like the other person who I want them to know how much I care has no idea. And so if I could just give them one gift, it would be them being able to see the way that I see them. Mm-hmm. I just, I wish there was a way to do that. Yeah, so do I. That's, that's such a good quote. I've, I've never thought of it like that, but I think that is that's powerful. That we, as like a group of people, we are our harshest critics, but we're never able to see how other people see us. Like, uh, just that my friends I say um, is that you've never actually seen yourself. 
You've seen pictures and you've seen reflections, but you've yeah. never seen yourself with your own eyes. I like it's it's funny, but also at the same time, it's very true that we'll never know how to truly view ourselves from an objective way. That we're always aware of our deepest and darkest secrets that no one else knows. Truth. All right. Thinking about uh, song two, I am interested in just give me the rundown. Why did you choose song two? Uh, What are some of the things that stuck out about that uh, song? And, uh, yeah, those are my questions. All right, so my second song was Count on Me by Bruno Mars, but it was a re-edition by Kenny Official. Um, I chose that song because I, essentially in that first speaking part that I had, I wanted to express to people a little bit of the first song, the second song, like not knowing how to best express your love, but that being okay. At the same time, there is a way that I'm, giving people, and that's by showing that you can rely on someone. Um, and Tell Me will always be one of those songs where, like, every lyric is that regardless of where you are or what situation you're in, that you can count on me, and, and I'll be there in a blink of an eye. And that's, that lyric in itself is so powerful that regardless of what's happening, and regardless of our relationship, even if we aren't talking every day like we used to, right? you can still count on me and I'll be there for you. Yeah. I mean, that's the, certainly the underlying message is that I will be there and I trust that you will be there for me. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like, that's all I want to hear. I, <laughs> like, if I could truly believe that with someone that I cared about, or frankly, with people that I wanted to care about, but I if I could believe that they would be there, things would be so, I would just, my life would feel like the weight is off my shoulders. It would be so much right. easier, I think. For, for me, I have experienced, and I am sure that many other people have as well, that a lot of times people will say something and their actions say something else. So, for instance, they will say, hey, I'll be there. You can count on me. But then when it, time, when it comes to the time where we actually need them to follow through, something comes up or mm-hmm. they're busy. And that, to me, is what kind of erodes on that trust on my, my faith in people. And right. I'm, I'm interested to hear your reflection on that and um, what that has been like for you and how you grapple with it. For me... The phrase that I feel like it's tossed around often that is a quick way, not a quick way, but a very, a very powerful way to erode trust is that phrase of I love you. Because it's, there's no way to quantify that. There's little to no ways of proving that. Um, whether it be romantically or platonically, like, we throw around I love you often. Um, it's hard when your actions show anything less than love. Um, and I, I haven't been at fault with that as well. But I've said I love you to people and then my own actions do not reflect that. But I try to remind myself that if you can do something wrong, you have the capacity to do something right. So if I can, 
if I can find a way to not be there for you this one time, then the next three times I'm going to work my hardest so that I can prove to you that I love you. Because, like, as I as we talked about that quote earlier, the greatest gift I would want to give is just being able to show you how I feel for you, that I wish that instead of using my words, I could just dump this emotion that I feel onto you so that you can truly experience what I go through when I look at you or what I think of you. And, yeah, like, that's that's the that's the hard part about love or really any emotion, that we, we're the only person who knows the true depth of it, that we can tell you, but there's no way to just prove it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Wow, man. <laughs> this is tough stuff because it's, like, it's one of those things where, this is the goal for so many people is just to be able to to love unconditionally and we we all want to do this i truly don't believe that no one wants to harm another person or not follow through with their promises i truly believe that people want to do that and because we're human we make mistakes and we overcommit mm-hmm. and we do so many other things that uh, bring us away from our integrity. Right. And I think for me, the thing that helps me the most is figuring out how I can give grace and how can I remember that we're all human. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that comes up for me when I think about that is sometimes I wonder where the line is of what does it mean to to give grace, but then where is the line of giving too much? Right. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I am a firm believer in conversations about your feelings. In that if you, or even for me personally, that if I feel like my trust with someone is starting to erode, I want to talk to them. I want to say like, hey, what happened last time, I understand, but like I want you to know how I feel right now. So that way, it's easy to say, I did it on purpose, and I don't think that I love you as much, or as I don't think you can count on me as much as that you used to. And that way, you can get past it. Um, but I think conversations save relations. Uh, if, you can, if you can find a way to talk about how you feel, then you're able to recognize, both of you are able to recognize where that line is. Because you might be inches away from the line, but for them, they might be centimeters. But they might be right there from feeling like you don't care for them enough or that you don't love them enough or as much as that you used to. So and that's part of the part of the difficult part of loving someone is that you need to be able to talk about your love. And that is so difficult for a lot of people because it's a it's such a vulnerable notion. It is putting yourself out there, and you might get hurt. Right. And a lot of people aren't willing to get hurt, and that's mm-hmm. what prevents us from really buying into that love. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. It's truly terrifying. There are moments today where I think of all the people that, like, I feel like our friendship devolved because there weren't conversations, but I still get that fear of sending them that text and saying, like, hey, can we talk because I miss you? And them saying, I don't have time for you. And that, yeah. that's one of the scariest things is putting your heart on the line and giving someone else complete control over your emotions. 
and it's I mean, it's just so difficult. And I think that there are so many books out there that talk about this, and there are so many beautiful poems that articulate what it's like. And thinking about it and knowing about it doesn't make it any easier. And that's right. what is so scary about it. Also, is like I have. I have researched this and I have tried to like combat it so that I would be prepared and none of the research prepares you because even if you know it, it you still haven't experienced it and lived it. And so I just am so thankful that I've had safe places and people who I have been able to talk to about this because if I didn't, I don't know where I would be. Right. I think that to bring it full circle, that's that's the powerfulness of the song is that even if you do count on that one person, there are other people that you count on as well. And that's that's what you're trying to get to. You want to get to that point where the people that you surround yourself with are people you can count on. So that even if you do have that one bad interaction, you can go back to your home base and talk to those people and say, hey, this is how I feel right now and I just need to vent, you know, and they're there for you. Yeah, that's big. Way to bring it full circle. That was uh, well done, better than I could have done it. <laughs> Thank you. So, okay, we've uh, gone through song two, and now we come back to your words for us. And so, um, yeah, we get this is where we get personal. And so I'm very interested. Can you talk about April 7th, 2017, and how life gets hard, no matter who you are. I would say this is probably the hardest thing I've done in a while of no memory is write that on paper. And then the second hardest part was speaking it aloud and recording it. Uh, because that, to go back to what we were saying earlier, like I'm putting my emotions out there. So writing that, it was, it was a very, uh, very interesting process. I learned a lot about myself emotionally, but I'm glad that it happened. Or I'm glad that I was able to write it out and express it. I imagine that was a lengthy process. How long did that take you just to get to the point where you were prepared to do this? I would say for the first, everything leading up into writing that, to so finding the first two songs, writing that first part, probably took about a week, um, but writing the piece about Ian, I think Jessica sent me a text in February saying, like, hey, start thinking about it. I was done with the first part in February, and I didn't finish that part about Ian until May. I would say, like, almost up until, like, two weeks before Blue Ridge, actually. Uh, it was just, it was hard to come to full circle. I, I send texts a lot of my friends, like, I don't think I'm ready to do this yet. I don't know if I'm emotionally capable of putting myself out there like that. Yeah. So a lot of processing, a lot of getting getting you ready for it before you could get it ready on paper and then ready in audio, audible version. Exactly. Um, wow. I mean, that's huge. So I, I think I'm curious, can you, just for context, can you share a little bit about Ian and how you knew him? Is that okay? Yeah. Um, so Ian and I went to the same school since I moved 
through the area where I lived in Georgia, which was fifth grade. So he was in my math class, and Ian and I were both in this accelerated math class, but Ian was like this cool, quiet guy. But in our fifth grade class, no, it was our sixth grade class. Our sixth grade class, our math teacher placed us in seats that reflected the rankings of the class and regards like how high your grade point average was in that class. Um, choice. Yeah, it was, I mean, for six years, it wasn't nearly as toxic because we gave, we gave each other standards to read. Like, if you were in the fourth seat, then you're like, I want to get to the first seat. If you're in the first seat, you're thinking, I want to keep the seat. But with Ian, Ian kept the first seat for almost the entirety of the year. But I'd say our school system was out in May. So from the month of March and April, I had the first seat. And then I intentionally tanked my grades so I could get into the second seat so I could sit next to this girl in my math class, who I thought I was going to fall in love with for the rest of my life. Nice. Um, <laughs> and after this happened, after I eventually got back to that second seat, Ian came up to me and said, I can't believe that you're dropping your standards for yourself like that, that you are okay with being complacent to get a short satisfaction. And this was in sixth grade. I yeah, don't know what wow. this kid was. He was years ahead of us. Um, but I sat on that for years. I was like, I can't believe that for like a conversation class, I was able to lower my standards for myself and lower the expectations I had for myself just so I could get a short form of satisfaction. And since then, I honestly, I strove to be the best at whatever I did because I knew I had the capacity to go backwards, but I knew I could go forward. So I was, like, since the question onwards, I was very, I wasn't hard on myself, but I was a lot more realistic with myself, more realistic with what my goals were. That's crazy. What an incredible story that is. Uh, and that just speaks also to the the value that Ian had in your life as well. So, I think that's helpful for us as we uh, process your words from your Vespers as well. Mm. You mentioned about how people like go out of their way to love others. And you also asked the question, like, why do people go out of their way to love others? And so can you tell me, like, why do, why do people do that? And then what's, what's the point? What do, they, what do people get out of it? Wow. Here's the hard ones. I struggle with that question myself, um, and I, I'm able to come to conclusions just because of the people I do love in my life, but I don't know if this is right for everyone. But for me, at least, I – actually, I'll take a step back so I can talk to you about, like, where that question came from, because it, that's a very, like, existential dark question of why do people love one another. So for me, after Ian passed away, I was very confused on – like how to go through my grief. And I, like I had grandparents pass before, but I was at a younger age. So like that grief was different. But this, it was two years ago. And I was, I was confused on how to talk about it, how to think about it. And then I was like, well, why does anyone have to go through this? Why did we intentionally fall in love with people who have a finite amount of years left? which is a very dark question. I hope no one ever has to go through that because 
life is short, but it's also so much. That's all we have. Yeah, I mean, it it truly is. Like, there's no reset, or at least I don't believe that there's no reset button after this. That you can't go replay all the moments in your life again because they happen. So for you to give yourself a handicap and not loving other people is, I mean, I I don't ever want to be able to think that thought again. That all the people in my life that I love, I could not imagine my life without them. Yeah. So that was that's my answer for why do we love people when we know that we have the capacity to get hurt. Because although that pain is temporary, the love you feel for those people and the way that they care for you is forever. You'll never forget those people's names or their faces. Yeah, I think that that's a big statement. And I think that that's kind of what drives the rest of your, the final five minutes of your Vespers, honestly, is is that. That people love you and you don't stop caring once people pass. Uh, they can still hold you up and they still are able to care for you even when they are gone. And I think that we have the capacity and we don't realize who are the people that see us as someone that holds them up. And we have no idea. I mean, something that like me and my friends talked about is that even and I weren't best friends. Uh, we were good friends, but our senior year, we didn't talk to each other that much. We had a physical education class that we had together. Uh, so we'd see each other like every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but it was only for an hour. But after Ian passed, it still hurt. So even if that person isn't in your life every day, you will find ways to love people. So I think that's that's like a thought that I don't think many of us think about is the amount of people you interact with within a month um, and how you touch their lives and no matter how big or small ways and that they are not going to forget you. They're not going to forget those interactions that happen. Absolutely. So this is a somewhat of a turn in terms of the conversation, but I'm I'm very curious and I think other people were too, but uh why the quarter? Why was why was there a quarter? How did that signify your relationship? The quarter was by far one of the most weird things that I carried around for such a prolonged period of time. At his funeral, uh for the parking fee, I think it was like four seventy five. And I had five dollars in quarters. Um so I paid it and then I put that quarter in my pocket, and during the whole time I sat there through their processions, I like I fiddled with the quarter, and like this, although it it happened randomly, like I I am now creating this emotional connection with this quarter and with Ian. That like prior to that day, there was no significance with the quarter, but after yeah. I left the funeral, it was something that I carried around with me at all times. Um, so it merely happened by random chance, or what I would like to consider random chance, but who knows? Maybe, maybe with some form of significance. Because if I had not paid in quarters, I wouldn't have had that way to go to Hawaii and do the prayer circle. So that was a bunch of a bunch of interactions that led to a positive conclusion. It's so interesting because I think that. Oftentimes we have emotional attachment to 
very common items that for other people it's just a quarter that they would have spent in a, in a minute like they would have not a not a second thought about it and i think it's really interesting when i think about uh like grandparents and parents who hold on to all these things that are really important to them but then as soon as they pass away their children sometimes are like well i don't need any of this stuff and they will you know, send it to the pawn shops or take it to the antique show because it no longer, the memory is not there for them. And so the value is therefore gone. And I think for for you hearing that there was this value, that quarter was worth way more than 25 cents. Exactly. It's just interesting to think about the value of everyday common items. It's interesting. Right. I, I mean, even for like items I walk around daily that on my backpack, I have some of the bracelets I exchange with people at Blue Ridge, um, and each one tells a story and links it to a person. So although they might be just a bracelet, they are worth so much more because they're they're tied to people that like I see once a year. Yeah. Oh, okay. One of the things that makes your Vespers stand out among others is the fact that uh, humor is not often used when it comes to Vespers, and it's usually this moment where people are, like, super somber and serious the whole time and utilize humor in a way that really helped connect people to your story. How did you come to the decision to bring in this bird into your story, and how did that how did that come up? Yeah, the bird part uh, is hilarious whenever I think about it because – like that's part of, honestly, my whole life is just a bunch of random instances that come to a positive conclusion. But, I mean, it, it truly happened that I was walking around um, to that prayer circle, and after I dropped off that quarter, I did get pooped on. Um, and I, <laughs> like that, I think the reason I wanted to include that in my best spirit was that I, I knew myself as I was writing it that it was tough to listen to. That I didn't want to talk for two minutes and have someone break on the mountain. So I wanted to give that, that just second of fresh air where it's like, even though this seems like such a big traumatic thing in my life that I can still find ways to laugh. I think that's what, that was my goal to make it a lot more personal is that all of the people on the mountain who knew me knew that something like that could very much happen that it isn't outside the realm of Christian Van Leer for a bird not to poop on him. So I, I, as I included writing it, it was, it almost made the process a little easier because that's kind of like the, it's the turning point of the story that instead of me grieving now, it's me looking up to the sky and taking steps to better myself and better my, better the way I think about Ian. So although that bird did poop on me and my shoulders smelled for the whole walk back to the car, I, I'm grateful to that bird because it forced me to move, forced me to breathe and acknowledge that life goes on. Wow. It's, it's so cool, though. And I, I, I remember this moment when I was on the mountain. I laughed out loud. <laughs> and I think that it was one of those things where I – I was so into where you were, and I think humor is one of the few things in life that is universal. Uh, there are there are several things that are, but humor is a grounding factor for everyone. 
mm-hmm. and it brings people in level of the playing field. And I think, frankly, that was a very intelligent move because, yes, like sometimes I would I think that humor is used as a way to make it, and you mentioned this earlier, uh, as a way to brighten things up and take people out of their, their darkness. And I think sometimes people will do it too soon and not let people sit in it because, frankly, sometimes we need to sit in that darkness a little bit in order to really get in touch with ourselves. But I think in this case, it was very tastefully done because it it gave context to the light at the end of the tunnel that you were moving towards. And that kind of brings us to our third and final song. Um, can you tell me about how that trajectory uh, went for you? So how did you go from this story and how it brought you to your final song? I think that for the song in specific, it was almost as if the song had been written for that moment. Um, and I know that Khalid had dropped it. Uh, the song that I chose uh, to give the information, uh, it was Angels by Khalid, um, but it was it was his Vivo exclusive list. So it was when Vivo brought him into the scene and they said, rethink it. And I felt like his song didn't have that space for people just sit and reflect. But when he did the rendition of it, he included like the last 30 seconds of him humming over the instrumental. And that, that part was, it was dynamite gold that when I found that, I, <laughs> I sat there, I, it's like, this is what I need, that I don't want to end this moment so abruptly, that I want to allow people to sit here and listen to this man hum, and then for it to slowly fade away so all you hear is the mountain. And that you can take literally as long as you want to just sit there and reflect. Because I, like, one of my fears was that I was going to drop this on people and not give them enough time to properly work through the emotions that they had because I I personally was in need of a couple minutes after and all the other HLs had this joke where I was the first person to stand up but typically other people start rushing towards <laughs> class um, but I got up I turned around and I, it was it was heartbreaking yet so magical to see people comforting one another they see that as a community, that the why brought us together so that we could be there for one another. And it wasn't just clubs with their own clubs. You start seeing, seeing people intermingle with another, one another because, like, that's the magic of the mountain, that Absolutely. you make friendships that allow you to connect with other people in the mountain. Yeah, that's so true. Wow. So... Thinking about this song, you said it was it was written for this moment. <laughs> Thinking about um, what is there, and there may not be, and feel free to say no. But is, is there one line that really spoke to you that was this is why I chose this, or was it truly like this is the whole bit, every little piece of it was important? Yes, I would say every piece of it was important, but the lyric that I truly wanted people to hear was just his chorus that I've been seeing angels um, and that was it that even if you can't physically see those people that they're there and that 
they're watching and loving for you. So when it's almost like that moment of reflection that I had when the bird pooped on me and I looked up and I saw the clouds and I I felt like Ian was there. I felt like his angel was there with me saying, go ahead and start living now. That That part of the song perfectly described what I felt when I was in that prayer circle. Wow. Oh, this has been a very exciting experience. It has been full of deep questions for sure. So it's <laughs> yes. exciting to uh, really help um, me process this, and I hope that other people have had a chance to help process this in a new way as well. So I'm interested in some advice from you. So thinking about uh your Vespers and how we have moved now, we've heard the whole thing, we've heard your reflection on it. What's what's the one piece of advice that you would want to give to people about being caring towards other people? Oof. I would say, I would, I'd probably still John Bellion's lyric that maybe I don't know, but maybe that's okay. That it's whatever way you find to care for someone, there's no benchmark or guidelines of how to do it because you're going to be able to touch someone if you're genuine. You show your genuine self. So as long as you do whatever you do with the intention of showing however you care for them, then it's going to definitely break through. If not today, then tomorrow. If not then, then later on in their life. But it's going to connect. Man. How are you so wise? How old are you? 19. 19, everybody. You heard it. He's 19. <laughs> and he is dropping some lines. Well, cool. Do you have any questions for me? Anything I can help you with? Uh, or uh, anything you're curious about for how somebody else might have interpreted your best verse? Well, that was honestly the big part of my my thought process after this message. Um, because I had people come up and say thank you, but I never really had anyone do what you've done so far and break down those moments for me of what you were thinking. So I think you, you've done a very good job of interjecting with your thought processes, and I want to say thank you for that because Certainly. you've definitely helped illuminate and put away the fears I had of not being able to touch someone. I want to convey that you're doing a very thankless job um, and that most of us won't know the amount of hours that you put in to do this, but all of this would be extremely appreciative because I'm excited to hear other Vespers and their thought processes as well. So, I mean, truly from the bottom of my heart, Ben, thank you so much for giving us has been the ability to express a couple more minutes of <laughs> our love. Yeah, it is my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm, I'm, I hope that people listen. That's, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. There you have it, folks. I am so grateful that you were able to take the time, even with the audio, to get to this point. I feel blessed to have you in this community. And if you want to contribute a Vespers to this project, discuss anything on the podcast, or if you just want to send a nice message, feel free to email us at thebestbirdsproject at gmail.com. We'll be back in two weeks with more insight into this wonderful world through different lenses. Can't wait to hear your point of view. And with that, have a great day.